Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joey Klein. Uh, this is the show where we highlight some of the most unique technology companies in Atlanta who are building really fantastic businesses here. Uh, this week, we've got two, and I guarantee that most of y'all probably don't know much about either of the verticals that these businesses are in, um, and so I think it's going to be a fun conversation. So first up, we've got Kyle Seamate, who's a product manager with Flourish Software. That's correct. And uh, after that, we're going to have Philip Hutchins, Chief Technology Officer of Storage. Hey, how's it going? Good. Happy to have you guys. Um, so, Kyle, we're going to start with you. Okay. Um, Fleur Software. So you are in the cannabis supply chain industry. That's correct. Okay. So what happens when you go to a networking event or a cocktail party and you need to tell people what they do? What sort of reactions do you get? Well, I... Uh, kind of view the scene like is this a, a situation where people are comfortable with cannabis if not then I say hey yeah I just build supply chain software but if it's people that will understand what I'm talking about I say yeah it's tailored for the cannabis and hemp industry there's sort of this decision tree in your mind that's like you know <laughs> if if they seem uh, op- open to it go with it if they seem a little bit closed-minded maybe keep it off yeah. the table yeah I just build s- supply chain software yeah, yeah yeah okay that 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 seems safe so supply chain software is a big business, especially here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we really are a logistics capital, uh, whether it's the port, whether it's our supply chain technology companies. But you've got to be one of the only companies out there that is building supply chain software purely for cannabis and hemp, right? Definitely this side of the Mississippi. We're the only one. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how y'all got started and why you're in Atlanta. So uh, Flourish actually started as WM Site, which is Warehouse Management Insight. They were doing uh, analytics and uh, insights into warehouse uh, management and how freight and stuff moves in the warehouses. Uh, and the founders, Colton Juan, uh, were actually in California meeting a uh, business, a potential client. Uh, and then someone else in the room was like, hey, this is kind of a cool story. Have you guys thought about doing this for cannabis? And they were like, hmm, No. But that's a growing segment. This was uh, maybe late 2016. And then they came back to Atlanta. And they were like, hmm, I think we have something here. So uh, they pivoted the whole entire software stack, forked it over to uh, what is now Flourish. And from there, uh, we partnered with a few small grows in California to really build our base of our platform, which is cultivation. That's where everything starts in cannabis is the actual plants. So from there, uh, it's grown. And that let's say that was like early 2017, and now we're in early 2019. Um, now we're at almost 30 customers, eight states, uh, almost about to go international. So it's been a wild ride. Well, so so clearly there's a demand for this. And I think what, what a lot of the uninitiated out there who maybe think of um, you know, cannabis in its previous form of, you know, prohibition, mm-hmm. um, you know, scheduled as the, you know, equivalent to, well, I think it is federally still scheduled the equivalent as to hard drugs like cocaine and heroin. You know, they might think, okay, why does a legitimate business operation need software for this type of product? What would you say to those people? Well, every uh, legitimate business runs on software now. And a lot of these states that are, uh, legal, federally regulated, or on the state level, excuse me, like California, Oregon, uh, Michigan, 
Massachusetts, a few others use this thing called metric, which is a state reporting system where you have to tag every single individual plant. And as those plants move through the process from clone to uh, vegetation to flowering, you have to report that to the state. And then once it's done uh, budding and you, you know the buds we're familiar with, they harvest that. They have to report weights to the state. They have to report uh, how much it weighed when it was wet, how much did it weigh when it was dry, and then they have to report who they sent that to, uh, distributors in California or other businesses. So uh, the cannabis industry is kind of underground at its heart, so a lot of paper and pencil spreadsheets. But that's not going to really work for uh, a corporate environment which cannabis is going towards. So we are building uh, a software to really help these cultivators, these extractors, these retail operations uh, use a software that's easy to use um, to really get them to a place where they can compete with traditional retail or traditional supply chain businesses. Well, and, and what sounds like an opportunity with that sort of business that's really in an analog phase now is, of course, it is ripe to be disrupted by technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, uh, a lot of the times we'll go into, let's say, a Northern California grower. They've just been doing it in like Humboldt for 20 years. You know, they are uh, changes a lot for them, and especially with all these regulations, these taxes, it's really cutting into their profitability. So, how can Flourish come in and be like, "Hey, you can use our software, maybe um, automate some processes, like reduce headcount, and then." Uh, not have any issues when you have to report to the state so you don't get dinged with additional fines on top of all these excise taxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, the tax scene in California is ridiculous. Well, so it, so that this is, a, a, you know, we're talking about different states here, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, the reality is that federally, we still have prohibition, mm -hmm. which thankfully, this country is, I think, finally starting to realize that that is not um, a long-term reality. Uh, mm -hmm. When that reality comes to an end, um, I don't think any of us know, but I, I do think it is a when, not an if. But we have this patchwork of um, different realities in different states, whether mm -hmm. it's fully legal recreationally, medicinally. And so how does that patchwork of legality in different municipalities, is it a, is it a liability to flourish? Is it an asset that you can um, help people kind of make sense of chaos? How do you, how do you work with that to both to your benefit? Well, right now, I would say it's an, uh, it's an asset because these traditional large companies are still hands-off on the business because it is federally illegal and their board of directors, their public uh, shareholders are like, no, you can't. We don't want to touch that. Even bank, like banking right now is almost non-existent in cannabis. So as uh, new states crop up like Arkansas and a few of these other ones that have medical you know, the, the people that are going into cannabis now are from more of a corporate background. So they're like, yeah, well, I need software to run my business. How do I go about doing that? Um, and then as, as uh, it falls down federally, uh, I think each state will have its own unique rules. So if you have an operation in Florida, for example, and then you also have one in Massachusetts, the rules of how you have to report and how you have to distribute are completely different. So how do we set up our software to enable these companies to uh, it just it, you can use the same software across all your states all you really have to do is just make sure that the 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 packaging the the reasons for adjusting your cannabis weight match what that state does so Oregon for instance uh, in metric their 
their uh, rules of, hey, this is what you have to do. Let's say you want to report that you lost like 10 grams from a batch because someone stepped on it. Oh, you have to throw that away. That's a different code than California, but it's still the same state system called metric. Okay. So if you had an operation in Oregon and California, it's like two completely different set of rules you have to follow. And what uh, a flourish our, our advantage is, well, we are on top of that, and we can configure your back end to report what is needed in each specific case. Do, do you ever envision, obviously, look, you, you guys are an early-stage technology company mm-hmm. now. You're focused on growing your business um, and acquiring clients. But do you ever see yourselves getting into um, government lobbying um, just from the fact that obviously more more states that allow different mm-hmm. uses of uh, cannabis is a benefit to your business. <laughs> As we get to the point where we can, you know, afford lobbyists, sure, I think that'd be a good thing. I know uh, there's some in Georgia that are really pushing for it, but uh, what we're really focused on right now is building the best software for our customers and potential customers. So from from everything I'm hearing from you and everything that you know we read, it kind of seems like we are in a gold rush of cannabis right now. Are winners and losers being chosen as we speak? Are we going to look back in a mm-hmm. decade on this time and you know really see the institutions who are going to become the um, the brand names of cannabis being solidified right now? Most definitely, I think you see that in the mergers and acquisitions that are going on. A lot of these companies that are coming in, um, you know, strapped with uh, you know, family office funding or whatever have you, the real like, you know, MBA mindset, they are gobbling up these smaller cultivators, like I mentioned earlier in Humboldt, that can't really f- compete at scale with someone that comes in, buys a million square foot warehouse and retrofits it to grow cannabis. Someone trying to grow, you know, uh, a quarter of an acre in Humboldt, it's just not going to work out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've talked a lot about um, differences in states uh, here in the U.S., internationally, um, you know, there are some countries, especially in Western Europe, that have come way farther than us mm-hmm. um, on on cannabis, uh, you know, long before we did. I, is there an opportunity for you all to expand internationally to serve those clients as well? Yeah, well, software can travel borders, no problem. The problem arises when you're starting to move the plan around. Um, and the European Union is more open to a cross-border uh, transportation of products. I know Africa's really ramping up their uh, production of hemp and cannabis just because they are, are great at agriculture. Uh, I know Australia has a little bit of a medical scene. So, uh, I mean, even down in South America, like Uruguay, they're recreationally legal. So, but our focus right now is how do we work with our local partners in the states to really get our software to where it needs to be uh, to go. And when we expand out, it's kind of a no brainer for these other companies to jump on board. So you, you you brought up two terms that I actually think would be good to um, delineate for the audience here. You brought up cannabis and hemp. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people see hemp and they think it's the exact same thing. They have an idea that it might come from the same plant. Can you just give us a 101 course on what the difference is and what the uses are? For sure. So cannabis is classified uh, as you know, marijuana that has psychoactive properties like THC, Delta 9. Uh, and hemp is classified as uh, less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC that's active. So a lot of you, this farm bill that passed in 2018, which made it federally legal to grow hemp on all, in all 50 states, 
uh, that's with less than 0.3% delta-9 THC. So then that's really resulted in this big CBD boom. Oh, CBD water seltzer, CBD doggy treats, CBD this, CBD that. Um, uh, even in Georgia, like you can go to some of these head shops and buy CBD flour. Now you can smoke it. You're not going to get high. You might not even feel it. You'd be like, oh, this doesn't do anything. But it's 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 completely opposite. So it's like 20% CBD, not 20% THC. So you're not going to get that psychoactive, oh, you know, laugh and giggle and watching cartoons. Uh, but there are some awesome properties of hemp. Uh, and there's a different you know, ways to go about extracting it. Um, I personally use like a full spectrum CBD hemp oil. Uh, before I go to bed, it helps get you into like a deep uh, REM sleep. Um, it helps with like, you know, muscle soreness and all that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that the, the government said, hey, where it's legal in all 50 states. Some states say, yeah, we're, you can grow it. Oregon, Kentucky, a few of these other states, you can grow hemp. But in Georgia, it's still illegal to grow industrial hemp. But, okay. And, and so, okay. So, and we were talking about this a little bit before because, you know, CBD um, obviously has been promoted for humans, has also been promoted for animals. Correct. Um, and, but one of the issues, and so we, we tried CBD on our dog and really weren't able to tell very much, but that might be his fault and not, not the CBD. But it doesn't sound like that CBD is necessarily as, um, as regulated as much as the cannabis side of things, as in are you able to really tell like what products are primo and what are not? I mean, it's just like, you know, the vitamin space, you know, support yeah. supplements. You can go to GNC and buy it, but is it what's in it? You don't know until you're like a UFC fighter, NFL athlete, you get popped for steroids. Like I didn't take anything, no, but it was like hidden in the in the batch. So yeah, it's still like a, a, a wild west. I would say due diligent research. Uh, a lot of companies provide testing uh, reports when you buy the flour or their oils. And if if you don't see that on the website, then that's probably a red flag. So okay. yeah, I would look for uh, when you're looking for CBD, is it, uh, does it come with like a testing profile? When, when we're talking about medical use, is that primarily CBD or is that primarily THC or does it depend on the type of ailment um, mm -hmm. that it's for? It depends on your ailment. So uh, in Florida, let's just use that because that's our neighbor to the south. Uh, they do different what they call routes. So you have inhalation, topical, oral, uh, sublingual and rectal. So there's five different routes of how you can take in a cannabis product. And it can either be high THC cannabis, which is what we're all used to, or uh, uh, low THC, which is um, like CBD. So if you want to, let's say, reduce some pain, but you don't want to have psychoactive effects because you got to go to work or you got to go talk to your fiance's parents, you can do your CBD <laughs> uh, and still get all the benefits of the anti-anxiety, the anti-inflammatory, the sleep benefits, uh, and then not test positive on a drug test if you have um, that for your work. But if you do have a different ailment where you do need that higher THC, then there's products out there that can do that. But it's really, uh, you know, consult with your uh, recommending physician. Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so you're headquartered in Atlanta. You're correct. Okay, but you serve clients all over the states. Mm -hmm. Is being here in Georgia, 
like, does it really matter that Georgia is not as progressive on some of these policies as other states? Or at the end of the day, you're building a software company, software travels borders. This is just where you've chosen to locate and recruit talent because we have amazing software talent here in Atlanta. Exactly that. Like with the, the software talent in Atlanta is on par with a lot of these other major cities, but at a third of the cost. Like we could set up in California where there's the big... Uh, cannabis industry, but we'd really cut into. Oh, we now we have to pay a senior back end dev like 250k or something. Ooh. Uh, or we can set that up here. They have a better um, uh, cost of living. Uh, the East Coast is really ramping up in the cannabis. So Florida is medical and expanding rapidly. They just announced that you could start selling flour this year, which is you know groundbreaking. Uh, Maryland's legal. DC. Uh, Massachusetts is recreational, Michigan's recreational, New York's about to go, and when New York goes, New Jersey will go, Connecticut, like a lot of these main, even a lot of uh, East Coast is really popping up. Uh, and I think we have an advantage over some of the West Coast companies because, uh, you know, we're right here, we can fly up to Boston in two hours, we can meet with these businesses that are more corporate. Like the East Coast cannabis is more corporate versus the West Coast kind of underground. So, and our software is kind of tailored. Um, we're working with a company here headquartered in Atlanta called Certera. They're vertically integrated operation in Florida. So what we're, we're kind of, our software is going to be really well suited for these large cannabis businesses that have the vertically integrated licenses to grow, to extract, to manufacture, and then to sell. Well, I, you know, and I love, I love hearing you say this. I love that, um, look, obviously I, I think, and you probably think as well, that the, the path forward is a progressive one and eventually mm -hmm. our state will get there. Um, but it, it's just nice to hear that, something on the state level in the legislature doesn't necessarily hinder your growth here. That At the end of the day, it's just about building a great technology company. Correct. Yeah. And we're dispersed throughout the U.S. We have people in Colorado, California. So when our, our, our people are in the field going to these grow operations in California, they come back to us with requirements, and then we build it out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's a part of me that is just I'm having sort of this this weird out of body experience, uh, not because I took anything before I came here, <laughs> but because I'm just thinking about even I was going to say 10 years ago, but even five years ago, this conversation would not have seemed possible. The fact that we're even talking about this right now mm -hmm. in a professional business setting is just simply amazing. Um, so I think it's great what you guys are doing. You know, before we end, is there anything that else that you want people out there to know about your business and what's coming down the pipe from you guys? Well, we are in the final stages of building a point of sale. So that's your final uh, front of what the, the industry has deemed like seed to sale. So you have to track these plants from seed or clone all the way through the end sale. Uh, and we'll be rolling that out in this next month uh, all throughout Florida for our first client, which will be really great. And then um, I would just say, you know, educate yourself. Don't listen to what other people say about cannabis and have hearsay. Like, do the research yourself. Understand really what it, what it is, what it does for people uh, before you come to conclusions. That's great. Thanks a bunch for coming here, Kyle. Thank you. Okay, we are going to move on to Philip Hutchins, who's the CTO for Storage. How are you doing, Philip? Good. How are you? Good. So, very different industry, but again, one that I think that a lot of people listening to this probably don't know a ton about. Okay, so you know, in, in reading articles about storage, and for everyone listening, that is spelled S-T-O-R-J, like storage, and we'll get into, you know, why why that makes sense. Not confusing at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I've read you be called the Airbnb of data storage. That we have. So, okay. Do, do you think that's accurate? 
Uh, it, it is, actually. Um, if you think about how Airbnb works, it's a bunch of individuals that have extra space that they you know, might not be using, um, and they can rent it out to other people. Uh, the company Airbnb is kind of the facilitator that connects all of those people to the rest of the world. Um, and that's very similar to how storage labs work. So if you have a computer at home and have extra storage space on it that you're not using, uh, you can rent that out. And we're the facilitator to make sure that we connect the people that need the space to be able to have it. Okay, so let's take a real-life example. So right now I have um, uh, I've got the, the iMac or the, you know, the little the Apple box, whatever it's called. Yeah. Okay? And it's got one terabyte on there. I do not use that much storage. I probably have about 600 gigs left over. What do I do? So it's actually pretty easy. You would just visit our website, uh, storage.io. Um, you would download the, the storage software. It's, uh, it's actually really, really small and lightweight. Um, we do that intentionally because we don't want it to interrupt your you know, normal computing. Um, install it on your machine, choose how much space you want to share, and it starts going. And so someone is literally using my at the extra space on my computer for their own storage. Correct. But oh. it's not like they're individually uploading their files, uh, you know, choosing you. It's all automated behind the scenes. Um, they, uh, someone goes to upload a file. It is chunked up into little tiny pieces and encrypted. Um, then we, you know, as a facilitator, we find the best places for you to store your files and give you a bunch of options. That lets you, you know, the, the program really select for you uh, some of those uh, places and then send your files, each piece of the file, to the different uh, computers. So one of those might land on yours. So in the end, you have a, on your computer, you have a small piece of an encrypted file from someone. Okay, so let, okay, let's say that Philip's files end up, based on your program, getting stored on Joey's computer. Okay, so can I then go into my hard drive and view Philips files? Well, it wouldn't be Philips files. It would be a small piece of a file that's encrypted, uh, and the name that you would see has nothing to do with the name that I named my file. Uh, that's all encrypted and encoded, so that it's you know there's no way to trace it back. Um, even we couldn't do that as a company. We design our software to where it's not possible for us to do that. Okay, and, and of course, what I'm getting at is someone listening to this saying, well, "Wait a second, I don't want someone else to see this stuff. How do I know that um, it's secure?" Yep. Well, it's based on encryption that the government uses, that everyone uses these days. We don't try to roll our own encryption because that's hard. <laughs> Um, uh, it's really important that we use stuff that's proven out there that everybody uses. You know, for SSL, so you see that HTTPS on the top of your browser, mm -hmm. you're typing your password in for your bank. It works for everyone here, so it should work at least well enough for us. And we use stronger encryption than um, most. So. And so then if I want to go, ac if okay, Philip in this example wants to go access his files, okay? Right. It, I'm assuming there's some sort of, you know, storage, storage desktop app that you go into and... I'll let you explain it. Yeah, so, so currently we're, we're on our V3. We're, we're you know, releasing uh, our V3. Uh, we're in the alpha stages of V3. Uh, currently there's a command line tool that lets you do this. There will be more. We're, we're really in the business of um, – we're trying to be more of an Amazon S3 than a Dropbox. So mm. we're not going to be in the market for creating applications like that. We are going to enable others to do that. Um, we may have some sample apps to do that. We have a sample uh, web app uh, and a sample mobile app as well. But, okay. Um, yeah, so so you're really more looking, of course, towards uh, enterprise-wide customers as opposed to, um, you know, I'm storing a couple of extra files I'm sharing with people on Dropbox. Yeah, we're aiming for the developers, the people yeah. that are building the applications. Okay, where you just have reams and reams of data that you need tons of extra space for, hence the extra 600 gigs that I have. Correct. When combined with everyone else is extremely valuable. Exactly. So developers pay to use the extra space 
and then I get a cut and storage gets a cut. Yep, exactly. Okay. So um, let's let's go to some terms that I think people are probably confused about. Sure. Okay, let's see if you can dumb them down for us. I'll try. So, so you were featured in Forbes last year, and the conversation focused on blockchain and Ethereum. Okay, a lot of us had probably been waiting in offices, and we've seen these terms thrown around on CNN, um, and we have absolutely no idea what they mean. Exactly. So, blockchain. Uh, everybody just wants to paint some blockchain on their new project to get the, you know, the buzz going, uh, which actually works oddly. Um, so, it uh, oddly enough, blockchain is a chain of blocks. It's just those blocks are comprised of it's some sort of data. In most cases, it's uh, a bunch of transactions, sometimes financial transactions, sometimes something else. Um, each block is then hashed cryptographically, uh, which ends up with a, a string of data, which is included in the next block. And then that just repeats over and over. And that's that's where the chain comes in, because the previous one's connected to the next. Uh, and you can trace your way all the way back to the very beginning and ensure that nothing's been changed along the way. And so why is that technology critical to the way that storage operates? So the way that we use blockchains is we use a token that is based on the blockchain. Uh, and instead of using the U.S. dollar where we would have a really, really hard time paying people overseas, across borders and all that, we can use the token uh, to pay them for sharing their hard drive space. Uh, it makes it really easy to pay people in Europe or other countries where it might not be so easy or quick. Um, ACH transfers take a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it would cause a lot of problems. It would be way too costly for us to do that and take a lot of time. So instead of two days to get your you know payment, it's seconds or less. And and how much can someone actually make you know being the Airbnb using their uh, you know extra storage as sort of an Airbnb for your customers? It depends on how much you're sharing and your connection. So I can't say exactly. We're building a calculator that we are releasing soon so that you could put in your specs and what you have and kind of get a pretty good idea. But we're aiming to have somewhere between five and ten bucks a month for you know a few terabytes of, of storage space that's fully utilized. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, it has to be economical for the person sharing their hard drive space. I don't think they're going to intend on paying their rent with it, but you know, it's it's extra money that they didn't have before that for doing know, nothing. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, so you there, there there's something else interesting about you guys um, that I read. You engaged in a token sale. Okay, you raised in an initial coin offering, otherwise known as an ICO. You raised about thirty million dollars that way. Correct. Well, so the, the most recent one was a token sale, not an ICO, because okay. we did one years ago before on the um, on the Bitcoin blockchain. So just to be for legal purposes, we are very specific about the fact that this was a uh, token sale, not an ICO. Well, so that that is educational for me as well. So can you explain what the difference is between both of those and why you opted for both? So the really the only difference is one was first and one was second. Okay. And the if if you do a second one, you aren't supposed to market that as an initial offering because that would uh, insinuate that they're the first ones to get ah. your tokens uh, when there are already tokens out on the um, in the market. So we we were one of the first to do a token sale. Period. Um, and it was a small one uh, the first time around. Second time around. Um, you know, we well, the first time was based on the Bitcoin blockchain. We migrated our token and did the second token sale with our Ethereum-based uh, token, um, and we we hit the timing just right um, and, and did very well. And so, is this an alternative to raising institutional money? What what was what was the um, the rationale behind? that business move? Well, it's, it's, it's almost hard to compare because when you, when you're raising money through, you know, VCs and other, you know, funds like that, you're, 
basically giving away a portion of your business uh, with that sale. Um, where in a in a token sale, you can imagine um, a token kind of like if you have an arcade, right? And the arcade's not open yet. They want to open. They have a bunch of games. They want people to come play the games. Um, they have tokens, right? They can sell those tokens to people that are going to want to play their games. Maybe they sell them at a discount before they open. Um, someone that has a bunch of them, maybe you know, bought a ton, could sell them to their friends for a little bit more than they paid. So you know, the value can change mm -hmm. when that uh, arcade opens. They can go use those tokens to play the games. Just like our token, you can use that to buy storage. Got it. Okay, so so this is enabling the future use of your platform. Correct. Okay, um, and so I'm assuming because you've done two of them, they've been a success. Correct. Yeah. Okay, and so do you see that as a means for business growth in the future? Possibly. Um, we obviously we don't want to raise more money than we have to. Um, it's you know sometimes you can raise too much money and uh, get a little. Uh, complacent, I feel like. Uh, I think we hit a really good spot. We've got a really good product that we're building. Um, so we'd like to not have to again, but we very well could. Okay. So what what is the future for storage? What have you not done that is coming next in the you know, coming 12 to 24 months? Well, you know, like I said, we're working on our V3, which is in alpha stages. Um, we've got beta coming before too long and then production this year. Um, one of the big things I think is, you know, streaming out of the box, um, sharing of files. Uh, those things weren't um, either as performant or available on the previous versions of our software. Um, and we're, we're really, really excited. We've learned a lot from the first two times that we <laughs> built the platforms. Uh, and we've fixed a whole lot of the problems straight out of the box. Uh, we're, we're the experts in the space. So it's, um, it's been really fun this time. Well, so cl clearly you, you've had a lot of success with what you're doing, but you are going up against big incumbents. You mentioned Amazon as one of them. Yes. So, but uh, obviously there's got to be some nuances about what you're doing that is different from them about why people would use storage over an Amazon. Mm -hmm. What what does someone need to know about those differences? So one of the biggest things that, that you notice is obviously we're not building big data centers, right? The storage is um, on your computer and his computer and everybody else's computer. Um, and so we, without that cost of building giant data centers, uh, it saves us a lot of money and overhead. Um, also tied to that is the fact that if our, if those files are stored on, on people's computers, they can be pretty much anywhere. They could be in this room or, you know, across the street. So if, you know, in the future, maybe some movie streaming company uses our platform to store their files on, I live in an apartment. Maybe the guy next door has that file on his machine, and I can stream it directly from next door. So just imagine how granular you could get the distribution of storage space and files as opposed to having central data centers built around the world. Well, and, and so is, is part of the strategy of having all of these um, storage locations all around the world is that your system will figure out, okay, here's where, the, here's where developer X who needs storage is – let me go and, you know, figure out who's closest by to him so that his files can be closer. Absolutely. So yeah. if you're familiar with CDN, um, the, the idea behind CDN is that you, uh, you have some files that are used a lot, right? And so you want to make sure that they're in the right places, that they scale up and down as needed. Uh, and it's just very, very fast. So our platform is absolutely perfect for that application. Uh, and so we're going to be building an intelligence so that it knows where, you know, if in some other country uh, you need to access those files, it will, you know, dynamically migrate and scale those files to yeah. that place. That's very cool. Um, and 
and, and obviously it's understandable, right? I mean, so, you know, I'm, I'm in the real estate world and data centers have become, you know, really a new asset class within real estate. But you're right. They are extremely capital intensive and you can't move them. Nope. They're pretty heavy. Yeah, they are. They are where they are. So I, I definitely see the need for a product like yours. Um, but it is, it is a very, it's a different, um, you know, it's not as easy as, you know, someone renting out their home, right? Yeah. Um, it's a, it takes a little bit of explanation. And even someone renting out their home, right? That was a big lift in terms of people being comfortable doing that and comfortable staying in someone's home. Yeah, there's a big hump to get over when it comes to trust, right? The question yep. that you asked is, how are, how are you going to trust your files being on my computer, you know? With uh, the timing, you know, I mentioned timing with the token sale, timing with with security and everything right now is really, really important, too, because, um, you know, recently, it seems recently, at least the, the Snowden um, news, how Snowden came out and, and shared a bunch of information about the government and everything that's going on. It's all really relevant. Uh, and everybody's much more concerned about the security of their data now. So. Well, so how are you going across getting this message out to those who would be hosts and those who would be users? I feel like we haven't been the ones that have had to do that. I feel like the just the culture of the world now is kind of is is shifting, um, and you know, um, encryption is not um, as you know people understand it a little bit better now. They may not know how, exactly how it works behind the scenes, um, but when you say encryption, people understand that. You know, they they. Um, see identities getting stolen because you make mistakes here or there or lose your password and and they kind of realize at least at a at a basic level that it's it's important to have good encryption and that it works. Okay. And well and and that definitely makes sense. Our world has changed and we've all, you know, become a little bit more educated on this front as well, but in in specific to storage. So, how are you getting the message out to those who would rent out space and those who would rent the space? that you guys are an option and that it's a really simple, easy product to use? So I feel like we, we built a big community early on. Um, we were the first to start this effort um, and the first with a real product. Um, and our community has done awesome things for us just by spreading the word, uh, word of mouth. We haven't had to have, you know, sales team go out and push our stuff. Um, we, it's kind of the opposite. We've had people knocking on our doors to get on our platform. Uh, which is really, really awesome. Yeah. Kind of different from other places that I've been. Um, so, you know, the the sharing of hard drives, it the word gets out because people say, "Oh, I can make some extra money." All right, let me try this thing. Uh, and so, just you know, sharing sharing that. We we've had some you know uh, campaigns and 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 um, you know other marketing type things that have um, helped quite a bit. But there's a there's an interesting. Um, I don't want to say problem, but um, challenge where we have to grow the network. Um, we, we don't want to have so much storage space available that um, the the demand isn't there for it because if there's way too much space available, then the people that are sharing the hard drive space aren't going to be compensated well. So we, we want to make sure that that balance is there. Um, and so we're, we're, we're very carefully, slowly growing it. So right now we are in our... Um, it's called the storage node alpha. We have people coming on the network and starting to share their, on the V3 network, starting to share their hard drive space. Um, and not just anyone can join yet. We're, we're going to open it up at some point, but um, right now we're giving out tokens to certain people that joined the wait list to get on. Okay. Little uh, exclusive uh, red carpet access. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
So let, let's switch to Atlanta for a second because this is a very Atlanta-focused show. Um, you're in one of the more unique locations in Atlanta that's gotten a lot of press for good reason over the last couple of years. You're at Atlanta Tech Village. Yes. Um, Atlanta Tech Village, again, this is so, you know, just shows you how fast uh, things move. You know, as we were saying with Kyle and Flourish, this conversation would have seemed odd five, even ten years ago. Uh, ATV didn't even exist ten years ago. Um, so what, what is being what is being located at ATV, especially in the phase of your growth, meant for your business? So I, it was mentioned a moment ago that there's some great talent in Atlanta. Um, it's it's my home, so that's that's also awesome. Um, ATV has been a great place for a number of reasons. The community there is great. Um, it's nice to just be able to walk down the hall and hear people talking about building a startup just like you are. So you don't feel alone. You can kind of relate. Um, they also help provide things like uh, pitch practice to help you, you know, learn how to, you know, take your product that you're building and go get funding for it. Um, so there's a lot of really cool things that they do in that way. Um, it really is about the community. That's that's a big thing. And also, we, you know, I, I was the third full-time employee. Uh, we were in a tiny office about this size, um, and we've been able to move two or three different times in the same building to grow uh, as we've grown. So, you know, to not have to move buildings and kind of be able to grow within the same community has been great. Well, the, the, the flexibility is huge for a company of your size. Yes. Um, and that... Yeah, as as you said, that and the community are just reasons why that place has just done so well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else should people know about Storage, and how can they get in contact with you if they want to learn more? Uh, they should know V3 is going to be awesome. Uh, just keep an eye on our website and our blog. Um, and if you have extra hard drive space, uh, check, out the, check out the website and um, either get on the wait list or wait for us to open the, the floodgates. If you're a developer and want to check out our platform, um, go download our software. And again, it is spelled S-T-O-R-J if you're looking for them online. All right, Kyle and Philip, thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Thank you. Love Thank to have you. me on Tech Talk. No problem. Thank you.